Welcome, everyone, to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at The Score. I am back from vacation. This is the time of year when I can actually get away a little bit. Right after we got the Score 2019 Fantasy Football Draft Kit out, my wife and I decided to go to Banff in the Rockies. Absolutely beautiful place. Highly recommend it to anyone. The mountains, the wildlife. It was the right combination of adventure with you know, hikes and stuff, but also relaxation sitting there. You go up to a rooftop patio and you just have the most beautiful view you've ever seen in your life with mountains all around you. So I'm rested. I'm ready to start driving towards the fantasy season. And we're going to get back on track with weekly episodes now. That's going to ramp up to twice a week in the preseason, a little closer to the season there. And we're going to bring on some guests, some of my favorite analysts from around the industry. It is going to be fun, so make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. Today, I'm going to do some quick takes on some recent news that we've seen, and then I'm going to go over a bunch of mailbag questions. And I have to say, I put it out on Twitter on Thursday morning that I was just considering doing a mailbag episode, thinking maybe next week, maybe the week after. Props to everybody out there, though, because you just bombarded me with questions immediately. So I figured, why make you wait? Let's do it today. Before we get to that, though, a couple of news items I wanted to mention. The first, there's reports that Dante Moncrief could emerge as the number two receiver for the Steelers behind Juju Smith-Schuster ahead of James Washington. This isn't really news to me, though, and if you've been following me, you know that. I've had Moncrief ranked slightly higher than Washington all offseason ever since he signed there, and I like Moncrief. He showed signs of a breakout with the Colts a few years back, scored 13 touchdowns over two seasons at one point, but injuries to himself and to Andrew Luck kind of set him back a little bit, prevented that breakout from actually happening. Last year, he ends up in Jacksonville. He played all 16 games, flashed a few times, had a quiet 668 yards and three scores. You can only do so much with bad quarterback play, and there was sort of a shuffling of quarterbacks last year after they benched Blake Bortles at one point. Really not much you can do from a receiver standpoint when that's happening. I wrote about why I liked Moncrief when they signed him in free agency, And we can't just assume that James Washington is going to be the guy. Washington didn't do enough last year as a rookie to lock down that role. So I really am going after Moncrief as a late round target. I think this news, unfortunately, is going to bump up his ADP a little bit. Josh Gordon was catching passes from Tom Brady the other day. That prompted the league to come out and say there's no update on his playing status for 2019. From a fantasy standpoint, we've been teased with Gordon so many years here. He's a late round stash at best at this point. It does seem like he's going to play this year. I don't know when that's going to happen. I have to think that he's going to face some sort of suspension. I would be very shocked if he was available for week one. So he's a real Hail Mary for fantasy owners. The only times that I've grabbed him in drafts has been some best ball drafts where I've been really thin at receiver, kind of gone maybe even zero receiver. And at the end, I'm looking for some upside there. Gordon's a good long shot in the late rounds. There's also news that Matthew Stafford reportedly played through broken bones and his back last season sounds painful. I know that's probably going to make some people feel sympathetic to his bad stats last year, maybe even be hopeful that he can have a bounce back year, and no pun intended there, but that he could have a bounce back season. The problem for Stafford, though, isn't health. It's the offense itself, and their offense has just, it's become more run heavy under Matt Patricia. 
you know, even before Golden Tate got traded, even before uh, Marvin Jones went down with an injury and got placed on IR, Stafford wasn't putting up good fantasy numbers. So I don't see him suddenly getting that fantasy value back just because maybe he's a little healthier. He's a low-end QB2 and maybe even a low-end QB2 at best at this point. They're in a tough division. They got to face the Bears and the Vikings twice each, not looking to grab Stafford anywhere this year. A few news items have come out about Dante Pettis, which I love to see. I recorded a video about a month ago or so for the Roto Underworld draft kit where I talked about Pettis as being a borderline wide receiver too in fantasy this season. Now we get news that people in the organization are saying his growth has been monumental. I believe that was the term, monumental. He apparently turned heads in minicamp. Beat writers are saying he's going to be the number one receiver in that offense. I traded for him in one dynasty league a few weeks back. I suspect that he is going to be on a bunch of my teams. If you want to see why, go check out that video on my Twitter account. I hope you follow me and you go get Pettis as many places as you can this season. The other thing I want to mention, just a quick one from the news recently, is a reminder to pay attention to all the little reports out there. Things like a Byron Pringle flashing in Chiefs practices. A Chad Beebe could be the Vikings number three receiver. Chris Conley playing as potentially the best Jags receiver in minicamp. Now, obviously, not all of these are going to turn into something fantasy relevant. And a lot of the positive talk about unknown players around this time of year turns out to just be fluff and and coach speak. You got to weed through it to find the gems, but that's how I ended up with a guy like Philip Lindsay last year on multiple teams. When the Broncos beat writers started mentioning that he was shining at OTAs, I went out, I grabbed him, stashed him and look at it turns into. So that's not always going to happen, but you got to be mindful of those news items. Pringle of the ones I just mentioned, he's the most interesting to me Just because we know Tyreek Hill is probably going to be suspended for some length of time. We don't know how long it's going to be, but he's probably going to miss some time at the beginning of the season at least. Sammy Watkins has that long injury history. Demarcus Robinson, who I like, he's really unproven. So is Mecole Hardman, the rookie coming in. So the door could be open for someone like Pringle to get some early season work. Something to keep an eye on there. Now let's get to some of those mailbag questions. At Funkintron, love that name, Funkintron, what are your favorite league settings? PPR versus standard, catch bonus, six points per TD, etc. So for me, there's a few things here. Half PPR is where I like to start off with, and receptions I think need to be rewarded, but a full point just skews it too much in my opinion. If a player catches a pass five yards behind the line of scrimmage and immediately gets tackled, and if that's a full point PPR league, you still get 0.5 points for that play. That doesn't make sense to me. Half PPR, the way to go in my opinion. Six points for all touchdowns, I like as well. That's including passing touchdowns. But if you're going to go with the six-point passing TDs, I think you have to go super flex. And I would recommend that almost everyone goes super flex with every league at this point. It's essentially making your league a two-quarterback league. It doesn't force it, but if you're not playing a quarterback there, it normally ends up being pretty foolish. It's just because there's so many good quarterbacks out there. I've talked about this a bunch of times. It's such a deep position that anything short of Superflex or two quarterback, it's just too easy at this point. In a regular one QB league, you could literally not draft a quarterback. Just wait until the eve, the night before the season starts, and go pick up one of the quarterbacks on waivers. There are so many good quarterbacks that you'd be fine in that situation. 
I also want to push for 14 team leagues. And I know that might be a little more than some people are used to. A lot of people play in 10 or 12 team leagues, but the great thing about a 14 team league is you get to play every team once in the regular season. So no one gets an easier schedule than others. It keeps it nice and even. And with 14 teams, you could still do six teams making the playoffs. That allows the top two teams to get a buy. It makes things a little more challenging to get in, right? If there's that many teams competing for it, that's how the NFL is, right? There's 16 teams in a conference and only six of them make it to the postseason from each side. So it should be hard to make the playoffs, I think. So I really like 14 team leagues. A couple other settings I think that are worth mentioning. They're, you know, not really huge things, but I think they're worth mentioning. I like to award that final playoff spot to the team with the most points on the season, not just the team with the best remaining record. You want to go to the team with the most points. You don't want to have that team that has a losing record on the year, but could have the most points of any team in the league. And yet they're not going to make the playoffs. You want to make sure that team gets in. And if you're using team defenses, I, I don't think this is a default setting on most platforms. So I like to add it. I like to add one or two points for a turnover on downs. If your defense makes a big fourth down stop, you should get something for that. And I think it's important to just toss that in there. So those would be my favorite settings from my leagues. Next question is from at 49er Sergio. On a standard league, what is the earliest you would draft a quarterback and what other positions would you fill first? Thanks. Hard to nail this one down specifically just because if a quarterback falls to me at a good value, I'm going to take him. It doesn't matter where we are in the draft at that point. So I would take Mahomes if he fell to me in, say, the fifth round, but I never think that he's going to get there. Normally, I target quarterback around round nine or later, especially this year when, like I talked about earlier, there's just so many guys I'm willing to roll with. I'm going to wait and grab two of Jameis Winston, Mitch Trubisky, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Ben Roethlisberger, Dak Prescott. It is a long list, folks. And you could even just take one of those guys and then grab a a name later like Jimmy Garoppolo or Sam Darnold or Derek Carr even. They're all going to go in the very, very late rounds or probably undrafted, and they could turn out to be starter-worthy this season. There's just so many quarterbacks with upside don't hesitate to wait on that position. Fill out running back, wide receiver, tight end first. Just please don't take a defense or a kicker until the final two rounds. For the next question, we had several people message in with different versions of this one. So I've gotten it from uh, Real Sweet Lou 24 from Rex6024270303. Sounds like a bot. It isn't though, because I know he's asked me questions before. Um, but some semblance of this question, which boils down to, if you're given the choice, which draft slot would you pick from? Now, I don't have a great answer here. I'll be honest. I'm not worried about drafting from any particular position in the order. I think snake drafts, I don't love them because sometimes you get forced into picks, which isn't great. That's why I recommend auctions. If you have the time, you're willing to make that commitment. The auction gives you the chance to go after any player you want. If I had to pick though, I'd say one of the top six picks, you know, if I can get one of Barkley, Elliott, Melvin Gordon, Kamara, uh, Christian McCaffrey, or David Johnson, I'd be happy with one of those guys. There's a teardrop, in my opinion, after that. So the top half of the draft would be my preference. If you want to get more specific than that, I would say probably four to six. It puts you in the middle of the round where you can avoid positional runs, and I'm still getting one of those top running backs that I really like. 
at Xavier 96945538 wants to know, with the high number of quality RB2s, is this a good year to grab high-end wide receivers early? And I'll also mention another question here, which was kind of similar, at GXRNV. In a 10-team full-point PPR redraft league, drafting from the 10 spot often can land Julio and Thomas bypassing Mixon, Gurley, Connor, and Bell. Feel safer thoughts. Personally, I'm taking Mixon with one of the wide receivers there. Mixon broke out last season on a Bengals offense that had a bad offensive line that was dealing with injuries everywhere, and he still got it done in fantasy. This year, the offensive line's a little bit better. They've, they've upgraded a little bit there. And the team should be healthier. And they also have a new offensive-minded head coach. So I grab Mixon and your favorite wide receiver on the board, especially since I like the wide receiver value as the draft goes on more than the running back value. That should answer the other question as well. I'm not against grabbing two solid receivers off the top, grabbing a Julio and a Beckham or something like that. But I just find that I normally want to come away pretty balanced. I like to come away with at least one workhorse back. I'm not so much worried about what's going to happen later in the draft at a wide receiver. I am worried at the drop-off at running back eventually, though. At JXP5328 wants to know, everyone says you need one workhorse RB. Zero RB truthers say going wide receiver early is the plus EV play. And this year's experts declare having a top three tight end is a massive advantage. If you can't have all three, which statement are you ignoring this year? I think there might be two of those statements that I'm willing to ignore, but I pointed out in the last question, I definitely want to come away with one workhorse running back if I can. So the zero RB strategy is not one that I find myself employing very often this year. Doesn't mean it can't work, just becomes harder later in drafts to hit on high-end running backs, and I'm talking about getting the the top-end running backs. One of the reasons why I'm willing to come away with just one workhorse and then fill out my other positions is because my second running back is the spot that I'm willing to gamble on a later pick or fill up on handcuffs later in the season and try to get that guy that's going to lead me to a title. If you're going in with just with nothing, with no workhorse backs, I'm very worried about, yeah, I don't know that you're going to be able to fill two of those slots in a season. You're going to have to be very, very good at drafting or very, very lucky with injuries. The top three tight end is a big advantage. I want one when I can. I've definitely gone that route a lot this year, but I'm also willing to let that slide. I'm okay with scooping up an OJ Howard or Hunter Henry or Jared Cook or even a Vance McDonald later in the draft. So, I would definitely say if I'm if I'm ranking those in order of preference, having the one workhorse running back would be first, going after a top three tight end would be second, and the, the zero RB thing I'm willing to just pass on. At Solomon33, John, Dante Pettis is available in my 10-team PPR league, but I'm unsure who to drop for him. Lamar Jackson, Andrew Luck, David Johnson, Philip Lindsay, Marlon Mack, David Montgomery, Dion Lewis, Austin Eckler, Alshon Jeffrey, Marvin Jones, Jarvis Landry, DK Metcalf, Calvin Ridley, Travis Kelsey, no defense on his team. Uh, My advice here was to drop Lewis or Eckler. And the reason I want to bring this one up, normally I wouldn't read off a long list of players like that, but I think this is important. You want to look at the team and make a decision based on the team itself. It's not just a cut and dry thing. It's not always, well, Dante Pettis is better than this player, so I'm going to go after him. I'm looking at this team and I see 
the running back position is pretty set. You have David Johnson, you have Marlon Mack, Philip Lindsay, David Montgomery. Those are four pretty good running backs. At receiver, you don't really have that high-end talent. Alshon Jeffrey being your, your number one receiver, I'm looking at him more as a low-end wide receiver too. So you're going to want a little more upside at that receiver position. So my advice was I'd be willing to drop Deion Lewis or Austin Eckler and go grab Pettis just to try to get another shot at getting a top-end receiver. I also said that you know if it's just a regular one-quarterback league, I'd probably drop Lamar Jackson because you don't need to carry two quarterbacks. In a 10-team league, the waiver wire is going to have plenty of quarterback options on it. So you could just roll with Andrew Luck, use that roster spot elsewhere, in this case on Pettis. And I'm speaking in past tense on this one because I actually got a response from this message and I know that he actually dropped Lewis for Pettis. I think that's a smart move. At Cat Lives for Savvy, are you worried about Ezekiel Elliott's touches from last season? Not at all. This one's simple. Really like how they got Zeke more involved as a pass catcher. Uh, All the running backs are facing injury issues, right? Every running back has an increased injury risk. Zeke's young. Not worried about that with him yet. At the slow forward eight, two questions for you, Justin. Number one, what are we to make Derrick Henry? I'm getting him often as my RB2 in my mock drafts, but I've been burned by him in the past. And number two, Is Hunt worth stashing? I've been picking him in the final rounds and wonder if I'm holding him for nine games, if that makes sense. I have Henry ranked as a low-end RB2. I know we saw him dominate late last year, but don't be swayed by that limited sample size. We, We haven't seen Henry do that any other time as a pro. We don't know what his involvement is going to be as a pass catcher. Still seems like Deion Lewis is going to have a role in that receiving game. So I think Henry's a a decent RB2, but he comes with risk. Hunt seems like a a wasted pick to me. I'd rather use that roster spot on someone with breakout upside early in the season and then just grab a different handcuff back as the year goes along. And that's what I believe Hunt is going to be this season. I think he's going to be a handcuff to Nick Chubb even once he returns. I don't think Hunt is going to have a chance to take that job at all. I think they're going to ease him back in slowly. And I think Chubb is a very good running back. And I think he's worthy of a first round pick. You're going to be able to get him in the second right now. You're getting a bit of a discount still just because they signed Hunt. I'm looking at Chubb a lot in the second round. He's a great pick there. It also wouldn't surprise me if Hunt ended up on waivers at some point around, you know, week five, week six, after that first month when bye weeks hit and fantasy owners need to make some roster space, Hunt might end up on the waiver wire. So keep an eye out. You could see him out there. And finally, at Alex Kennedy NBA, I'm in a 2QB standard keeper league. I can keep two players. My first keeper is definitely Baker Mayfield. I traded away most of my impact players last year for picks. So my options for my second keeper are Marlon Mack, Chris Godwin, Nick Foles, and Tyler Boyd. Who would you keep? Marlon Mack all day on this one, every day. The Colts offensive line, one of the best in the league. And now Mack, he was a top 10 fantasy back last season. Once he got back in the lineup after that first month, he was a top 10 fantasy back. He's got RB1 upside again. Love that Colts offense and love Mack this year. That's all for today's show. If you haven't already, go check out the Score Fantasy Football Draft Kit. It's updated daily. It's got new content in there all the time. has everything you need to crush your league. 
And make sure you're subscribed to alerts from the NFL Fantasy News section on the Score app. That guarantees you're going to get my content right to your mobile device all year long. You can also follow me on Twitter, at Justin Boone. Big thanks to the kind folks at Banff for making my trip there last week. Absolutely amazing. Big thanks to everybody out there for listening, and we will see you next time. Said leave on time, my baby said leave on time. Leave on time with me tonight, I said leave on time.